Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America podcast continues. We're in Lewis, Delaware, and we're going to talk to a singer, songer, producer, and cake decorator in just a minute. But there's this little town in Kansas known as Tecumseh, Kansas, where you're going to find Monkey House Guitars. Monkey House Guitars is a small, made-to-order guitar shop. If you think it, they can build it. Some of the best, most beautifully handmade guitars you'll ever see, meticulously designed and crafted Per your specifications, nothing is done by machine. Hand-laid frets, everything routed and sanded there in the shop at Monkey House Guitars. The Multiverse guitar, for example, is singularly one of the most innovative and interesting guitars I've ever seen being made. And I got to see it be made via photos on Facebook, all from the hands of luthier Mike Thompson, an amazing artisan. And as a side note, we all know cancer sucks. Mike Thompson of Monkey House Guitars recently has felt the touch of what that disease can do to anyone with a friend or loved one and what you have to go through, the rigors, the sorrows of cancer. So when thinking about charities to support, Mike Thompson, Monkey House Guitars, and the Music of America podcast ask you, please consider doing a benefit or something like that, a donation to the American Cancer Society. And please check out Monkey House Guitars, monkeyhouseguitars.com, one word, If you think it, they can build it. And we're with Marissa Levy. A really funny story happened here. My grandson has been visiting with me for the last 10 days, and he's really into Frozen and Frozen 2. And on the way to the airport, we were playing the soundtrack to Frozen 2, and my daughter said, that woman you were listening to that sent you the tapes sounds like she could sing Disney shows. And so, Marissa, take it from there. Tell me your story. What was the connection with you and Frozen? So, um, yeah, so I, I moved to Delaware in 2020 from Brooklyn, from Parksville, Brooklyn, and our neighbors um, in our building uh, were the Lopez's, the ones who wrote Frozen. That's so fun. And it was fun, like, seeing on Halloween, especially, like, all the kids dressed up as Elsa, and then oh. seeing them in the elevator, see all these kids. <laughs> the kids had no fun. idea. Yeah. That's so cool. And the kids were oblivious, right? No, yeah, they had no idea. Right. Have you done uh, Broadway or shows or do you have a background with that? Yeah, I mean, I grew up doing musical theater my whole childhood slash college. Um, yes, I love the theater is probably my first love. And if I could do it in some easy capacity here, I probably would. Uh-huh. But it's hard around here. Were you from New York originally? No, I grew up in um Bethesda, Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C. So I did a lot of sort of regional D.C. musical yeah. theater. Went to high school there, grade school, high school, get into music theater there? Yeah, in Bethesda, which mm-hmm. is like much closer to D.C. than Baltimore. Right, um, right. But uh, yeah, I went, I I went, grew up in the, grew up, lived in the same house the whole time I, uh, from the day I was born, so. Were your parents musical? No, not really. Um, my father played the accordion briefly um when he was a kid uh-huh. his parents made him play an instrument and my mom sings and she played guitar briefly in college I but see. neither of them are like musicians there I don't know where that really comes from in my family necessarily um I do have my mother's aunt was in the theater um in Wisconsin okay um, so maybe I take after her I don't know yeah uh, what was the first show you remember doing? Oh, I mean, the first show I ever got a lead in yeah, was yeah. My Birdie. I played Kim McAfee in Bye Oh, Bye no Bye. kidding. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I actually played Huddle in, in Fiddler on the Roof, did too. You know? yeah. So uh, some musical theater transition into, did you did you go to college on a musical theater scholarship or anything? I actually sang opera in college i was a musical music education major at nyu and um you had to pick an instrument and the only vocal uh performance that they allowed as a music education major was opera um and i had sung some opera in high school kind of preparing for college knowing that like i would probably be doing some of it 
So it wasn't totally foreign to me, but I really hated almost every minute of singing <laughs> opera in college. But college is where I learned to play guitar and where I really started writing songs. I mean, I kind of had been writing my whole life. I wrote a musical in middle school. Did you really? Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I was kind of dabbling in songwriting most of my life, but college is really where I met my tribe of songwriters and where people kind of encouraged me to do open mic nights and, and really start writing songs. And I, and I did my first record while I was in college. In doing this podcast, you watch people, you lit up, you really lit up about songwriting. Yeah, I mean, to me, songwriting is the end all be all. It's, you know, it's the thing that you can do even after your voice is kind of gone or whatever. And it's also the thing you can do from your home at any hour of any day, right? You can wake up at three in the morning and write songs. And for me, it was always just something I could do relatively easily and naturally. And I love the sort of puzzle piecing together of a song. Uh Um, And I actually just got back last week from Colorado. I was, I went to the Rocky Mountain Song School, which is at Planet Bluegrass in Lyons, Colorado. Oh, wow. Um, And it was a week of just, you know, very intense, waxing poetic about songwriting. And, um, and it was, I loved it. I thought it was so Were you a speaker or a No, I was just a student. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it also came under the guise of being a venue owner. So I was very popular. Yeah. (laughs) And and I do want to talk about the venue, but I'm really... This really has me intrigued, so I want to go with this right now. Uh, the The songwriting process, mm-hmm. everyone has different process or processes that they implement in the songwriting method. Do you yeah. have a set method that you do or a certain thing or things that you do or rituals or anything like that? Um, not really. I do. I have this thing, and it's going to sound super obnoxious, but basically I I call myself a 15-minute songwriter. So if a song doesn't pour out of me in 15 minutes, it probably will never get finished. And like, that's usually like a chorus and like the verse, at least the rhyme structure and the melodic structure and the chords. Like I can usually get that down in 15 minutes. And uh-huh. once that's done, then I know I'll finish the song. But if I don't quite put those puzzle pieces together right away, then usually those songs just sit and and they either I labor over them, but they don't actually ever get finished. It's actually a really terrible habit. I need to like be able to sit with my songs a little bit longer and, you know, think about them. I I can edit. I do go back and edit things. Um, But I generally just like to kind of spit out a song and be like, okay, next. (laughs) (laughs) That that was my question, I guess. So so let's say you're writing a, Monkey House Guitars Blues. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and you the components you brought up, uh, verse, chorus, and melody. Mm-hmm. And let's say you got two thirds of it and you you're 15 minutes in. Do you shelve that and revisit that six years from now? <laughs> or is it just gone? Um yeah, I mean, usually it's just gone. I have okay. a few that have lingered. I have this one song. Well, one of the songs on my new album is um is about 12 years old and it did take me a couple years to finish it uh-huh. um i had written the chorus i wrote the chorus in the shower and i was like that's a really good chorus and then i had nothing for the verses <laughs> but the songs that you know are worth saving you'll come back to them you know okay so so that was one of them i just felt like i needed to come back to it and actually a friend of mine I sat down with her and I played it for her and I was like I just don't know what chord the chorus starts on and she was like how about this one and that just unlocked the whole rest of the song so that was pretty cool uh-huh um, and she's so, writing credit for it <laughs> she does or does not does not even though I have offered it to her really how come yeah. she doesn't want I wonder no she just she's you know, if if we were professional songwriters in Nashville, that one chord would definitely. Yeah. There's a a phrase called "a word is a third. So if you add one word to someone's song, you get a third of the song. Basically. I've never heard that. That's great. Um, but you know, we're not like that. Neither of us are professional professional songwriters, and you know, 
we just we don't need to qua- qu- uh, quibble over those things. So without counting them up, just off the top of your head, throw me a number. But how many songs do you think you've written? <sighs> That's really oh, hard. Hold on. Hold on. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, that's a really hard question. I know that for my last record, which was a five song EP, and I already had one song recorded, I had 36 songs that I felt were acceptable to oh. record. Wow. Um, so I would guess it's somewhere in the high 100s, maybe 150, 160 songs, something like that. Um, Does this count not, stuff that you've written in high school? Because you said you wrote a, a musical in what junior high? Does yeah, that count? I those? mean, I maybe you would count those. I don't. They yeah. were both songs. I could probably still sing some of them. Yeah. Um, I would yeah. say it counts. <laughs> yeah, and I do a lot of songwriting retreats and classes, online classes, things like that. Um, so there's a lot of okay. Here's five prompts. You have to put all five prompts in a song. You have 15 minutes. Go. So I have some of those songs too. Uh-huh. They are like finished, you know, quote, quote, finished, yeah. but they're not, um, maybe not the best songs. Um, and, you know, I don't have a good like uh, artist way habit of writing every single day, which a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll write garbage songs every single day. They'll throw them away, but every once in a while you'll get a gem of something that you want to hold on to. I do not have that kind of, discipline i just write when i have the time and it sort of the spirit moves me to do so or if i'm at a songwriting retreat then i'll write but you've got a system too though that allows you that kind of structure it's like okay i'm writing a song this came to me i'm writing it and then you've got 15 minutes right and more or less yeah (laughs) and i'm gonna do this now and that's your discipline you know just like there there was a woman i dealt with uh i interviewed rather from alaska who writes on a piece of scrap paper or a gas station receipt or a napkin or a, 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 a phrase or a chord or something that comes to her uses the phone. Exactly. She'll I sing end of the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when she has writing time, she takes all these pieces of paper and puts them out, on, spreads them out on a, on a table says well that phrase kind of goes with this phrase and this goes with here and that melody kind of goes with here and that's her process i think it's brilliant i so admire that kind of process i do not have that kind of process if she were here talking to you right now she would probably say the exact same to you marissa she's always greener right (laughs) well it's just it's it's so cool how different people approach songwriting with me i just pluck around on the guitar and i hear a melody i like it and then i'll pluck around and play around with a couple more melodies and that's how I write, but that's where it stops because I'm not a lyricist. I've tried writing lyrics and I've got some really cool ideas for lyrics, but I just like, that's not my gift. There's definitely ways around that for sure. There's well, exercises yeah. you could do. and Take a class, for example. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, but like, I'm, I'm very lyric focused. I like, I like words. I like the sounds of words and alliteration and things like yeah. that. I, you know, I love internal rhyming. So when you have a rhyme that rhymes in the middle of the sentence and right. on the edges, um, I love that stuff. I did write a song with my last producer, Mike Viola. We wrote a song that morning and then recorded it that afternoon. And I was really struggling with the lyrics. I couldn't get them down. And he looked at me and he was like, nobody listens to lyrics. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of set me free a little bit. You know, like I, I allowed myself to write lyrics that I thought might be dumb and actually it ended up being a really fun song like we were talking Uh about like the beach boys and like you know things like that where it's it's more maybe sort of candy the lyrics are a little bit more like built for sing-alongs and you know that kind of thing and you don't need to overthink that you can just write I used to call it lazy writing and and I used Paul McCartney as an example someone's knocking at the door Someone's ringing a bell. Do me a favor. Open the door. Let him in. Yeah. And that became one of his big hits with wings. Yeah. You know, let him in. Now that, that's not lazy writing. That's creative. That's taking a very common event that happened in his life and turning it into a song. Yeah. Um, to me, that's actually not lazy. I, I call it easy writing. So like when a rhyme is too easy, when uh, you add a cliche in there, 
things like that. Those are the things that rub me the wrong way. Um, if you can get a story in like that, um, you know, there was not a single rhyme in that phrase, right? Uh-huh. Um, right. A story in time with a melody and it sounds right to you, then like that's really admirable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first song of yours we're going to talk about is Mama Won't Know. Uh, just what mama know, or what mama knows or what what mama knows yeah. Yeah. don't pay no attention to my notes i wrote them okay. <laughs> <laughs> tell me where that came the genesis of that where that came from and what that's about yeah so i actually did write that song at a virtual songwriting retreat um i do a lot of classes with dar williams she's become a real mentor of mine over the years um and this was i think her first virtual songwriting retreat during the pandemic um, and each it, it was, they were one day long each and each day had a theme. So this theme was family. Uh-huh. I had been writing a lot of songs about how my family annoyed me and how being a mom is like really hard and you just want to escape being a mom and all that stuff. And I, I decided I didn't want to write that song again. I wanted to write sort of a more loving, um, song and, and, we had just moved to Delaware from New York. No one in my family was particularly happy about that, um, <laughs> except me. Um, and so I, I thought that would make an interesting story to to write the song of, I moved you here because it was the right thing. And yeah. at some point, you're going to tell me that I was right. At some point. I'm going to be the hero of this story. (laughs) Right now I seem like the villain. Um, And uh, this is one of those songs. It did kind of come out in about 15 minutes. There was one edit. Um, Originally the lyric was trust what mama knows. And Dar suggested it's just what mama knows. um, Because trust felt like I was very sure of myself. And Uh just what mama knows is saying, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just giving you what I know to be true. And at some point you're going to trust that I was correct about all these things. Um, And then it kind of, I got a little anthematic with the whole superhero aspect of being a mom and how like, you know, um, so many people will come up to me and be like, oh, you're a superhero. That whole, I don't know how you do it how all. How do you do that? Right. How she does it. And like, to me, that's such a horrible thing to hear. It just means I'm burning myself, burning the candle at both ends, you know? Um, so the lyric, I am a superhero. Um, I'm keeping it all together, which sort of felt like, you know, that, that very positive, like, I am a superhero. I understand that like moms are all great. Yeah. And then I am keeping it together was more like, I'm just like everybody else. I'm a mess. Just like everybody else. My family is a mess, just like everyone else's family. Um, and so I liked that sort of humanizing of the superhero figure. That's cool. And I love how you tell the story about it, you know, how it, it, because as a listener, and without this, a listener, John Q. Public or Mary Q. Public, hears the song and they're going to take away from the song from their frame of reference. So now having you telling the story, when I hear it again, I'm going to hear it a whole different way. So it's mm-hmm. like I get two songs for the price of one. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. And, and actually, that was one of the things we talked about at Song School was, you know, you have to play your song as if you have no time to intro it um, and how, you know, people are going to hear it. And usually people only hear about a third of the lyrics. Uh-huh. And so you have to kind of make sure that the ones that you're emphasizing are really moving that story along and t- giving the little flavor of, of what you're trying to say. Brilliant. Love it. Yeah. Well, we're going to give it a listen. It's Marissa Levy and the song, What Mama Knows. I, I am a superhero. I'm Keeping it all together Why, why do I feel I'm losing ground? I, I'll be a fearless leader Waiting for the cold to clear away Then you will know that I'm right 
What Mama Knows, singer-songwriter Marissa Levy from Lewis, Delaware. We're going to get back and talk about her vocal talents because we talked about the songwriting a little bit. want to talk about her voice a little bit more. This is for bass players, though. Bass players, the bag is a high-quality leather gig bag family of products that are handmade in the United States with the finest craftsmanship and beautiful, sophisticated, very cool overall appearance. They're made from some of the finest quality leather and cushion available and meant to last literally a lifetime. They've got over 30 years in the leather industry. They're extremely proud to introduce this line of gig bags targeted to both the skilled professional as well as the fun-seeking novice. And the hope is that you're going to love the bags as much as they do. The Bag by Tony Vaughn Bass Bags. Tony Vaughn, bass player out of Boston, Massachusetts. He knows what he's talking about. He's in the leather business. He's in the bass business. He made a good bag. That's all I get to say, and you got to check him out today. www.tonyvaughn.com. The bag. Love your voice. Love, love, love your voice. There's a movie with Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Begin again. Begin again. Thank you. Yeah. And this second song we're going to talk about eventually uh, sounded so much like Kira Knightley. I had to listen to it twice. I'm like, wow. I thought that was really cool. So. So you, you you go from, and I consider that kind of a pretty pop-type voice, pleasant yeah. and pop. How do you go from opera to pop? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as I said, I never really liked opera. Okay, then, then show tunes. We'll say show tunes. Show tunes are very close to pop, you know. Um, at least the brightness. I, I have a pretty bright sound in my voice. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say that that probably comes from the musical theater background. Um, I actually never thought I had a very good rock and roll pop voice. I still feel a little cringy every time I hear my own voice. Um, but the theater stuff, like, you know, you can kind of cut through a crowd and you know how to like make your voice project and things like that all very good things for the theater and not always such great things for the recording studio. So. Really? Um, I would think it'd be the exact opposite. There's times when you just got to push to get on top of a note. Yeah. I mean, again, like that, that's where the training comes in, uh-huh. all that, the breath work and things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I still, I feel like most songwriters, if they hear their voice on recording, they, get a little cringy (laughs) Um, oh oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but I mean yeah all that training really did stand me in good stead as far as like being able to get up on stage no matter how I was feeling I just played a two-hour show in Dover and I had not slept in like several days oh my gosh and I just felt horrible but like I got up on stage and I just kind of killed it you know because I knew how to relax my body, how to breathe properly, how to just project, mm-hmm. even though maybe I wasn't in my best, my instrument wasn't in its best place. Right. Yeah. Do you do anything, because breathing is such an important part of singing, do you do anything in terms of training, aerobic training, Pilates, walking, jogging, anything like that? Um, well, up until about four months ago, I was a competitive power lifter. Wow. Um, kidding. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I hope to get back to it. I did break my elbow four months ago. Yeah. Um, so I haven't done much since then. That's kind of it. I don't do any like cardio or like running <laughs> or anything like that. Um, but the powerlifting actually does help because you know you're kind of using your diaphragm um the same way that you would be using to really power through a note. Yeah. So. So if you're if you're driving down the road and you don't know who Marissa Levy is and you hear Marissa Levy singing, who do you think that sounds like? Lisa Loeb. That's Lisa Loeb. Okay. hundred percent. No kidding. People call me all the time and they're like, oh my God, I heard you on the radio. And I said, no, you didn't. You heard Lisa Loeb. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and, and actually over the last 20 years, she and I have become friends, which is oh, no really kidding. cool. Oh, that's so like, neat my 13 year old brain kind of explodes every time I think about that. She'll comment on some inane Facebook post that I made and, and people will go,
go, why is Lisa Loeb talking to you about Target? You know? <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yeah, that's cool. Does she think that you sound like her or does she know, you know that you think you sound like her? We haven't actually had that conversation, but um, yeah, I mean, it's undoubted, undoubtedly a very similar sound. Um, she's got that sort of bright sound yeah. too. And, I, you know, I, I didn't think about it until you said it. As soon as you said it, boom, you know, of course. Uh, has she attended shows or? Um, she has not seen me play. I have sang with her on stage a bunch of times. That was my next question. Um, and then one of the songs that you're going to play today, um, she was supposed to actually do the background vocals for wow. it, but she's very busy right now with her radio show. And so, uh, um, you know, she just couldn't get around to it, but Hopefully one day she'll be on yeah. be on one of my records. Who do you aspire to sound like? Yeah, that's the thing is like I do have that really bright sound and I want that like kind of like sultry. Like yeah. I'm really into Phoebe Bridgers right now. I just love oh. her sound and Holly Humberstone. So they have that sort of like girly sound, but it's a little bit more like smooth and cool sounding. And so that's what I love to be able to sound like but i just don't think i ever will are you inspired by different vocalists depending on the on the song like when you sang uh you know the the when you sing good and ready for example do you like envision a certain vocalist and how they might do this or do you just think this is how marissa's doing it and yeah uh, it's always just me you know i i I've never been really great at emulating someone else's sound. Uh Um, It's always just me. It is different facets of me, right? Because if I'm doing what mama knows, that's a little bit more belty, a little bit more rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And then good and ready, a lot more of that opera training comes in there because it's like a very sweet and, you know, has, it's a little more vocally challenging too. So now the, the next one, I don't want to give you up. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I was bitten by a bug during the show Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. And and then the Civil War has really got me. And that's and what what it is is this. They'll take a song that's fairly common and they'll just do it so different that you don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And on Sons of Anarchy, it was an acoustic version of Fortunate Son on the guitar. And on with the Civil Wars, it's their version of Billie Jean. It's oh, just yeah. so different, yeah. so unique. So my question to you, singer-songwriter, do you, and and the reason I'm asking is I don't want to give you up, is I thought, I wonder what that would sound like if you slowed it down. Mm. And do you do that? Do you approach the song like, this is how it's going to be done? Or do you say, I want to try it this way, then I want to try it this way, I want to try it this way? So that was actually one of the things we talked about at song school was, you know, assuming that the first, the that when you finish a song, you have finished your first draft of that song and they should rewrite it like several times in different tempos and different styles. I don't do that. Um, No, I mean, as, as I said, that song came to me in the shower. Uh Um, The chorus that I don't want to give you, I don't want to give you. And it was one of those melodies where I was like, this has to have existed before. Like in not only just that melody line, but also with those lyrics, like it just seemed so obvious to me. Um, and maybe it does, you know, our catalog of music is, is long, our history of music, but, um, you know, I, I just, I knew immediately that it was kind of up tempo. It had a little country swing to it too. It did. It really did. Um, I actually thought a little bit about like Ryan Adams when I wrote that song, um, that kind of, um, he has that sort of singer songwriter, but it's a little folk Americana um and that was the kind of country that i sort of felt like this song could have been it wasn't it ended up being a rock and roll song but yeah but i um, want to listen now i gotta listen to it through that you know it's like looking yeah, that, at things through different prisms and i want to listen it to it does have a little swing to it yeah um, so i did start kind of writing it a little bit more country uh-huh. and then it ended up more rock and roll when we added in the verses that triggered a question. I'm going to ask it and then we'll get into the song. But I had a, a, a gentleman on last week, the week before, whatever, that sat down to write a gospel song mm-hmm. because he wanted to write a gospel song because he's never written a gospel song. And that just seems so interesting to me because 
most of the singer songwriters write what they're feeling or write write something that happened that made them write. He sat down specifically to write a gospel song. And he wrote a really cool "Jesus Got Your Back" is the name of the song, mm-hmm. and it was really good, like contemporary rock and roll gospel music or gospel song, you know, without the contemporary Christian hooks right. to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's a rock and roll song, but it was gospel. It was it, the message was gospel. It was about Jesus, about salvation, and, and faith, and so on and so forth. And I just thought it was so cool. To sit down and say, I'm writing a gospel song, or today I'm writing a blues song, today I'm writing a country song. And you wrote, wrote the song, but the evolution of it has, it's mostly rock, but it has just a little hint of country in there. And there. Yeah, just a little swing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't generally write down, uh, sit down to write a specific genre of music. To me, it's all mm-hmm. singer-songwriter, so it doesn't really matter. I do sometimes go, okay, you have a billion ballads right now it's really time to write another up tempo and that really um just kind of tells me how i should be playing the guitar more than anything and you play in all of your songs you mean the recording when you're recording yeah no I oh, okay okay I, I i play in a lot of them especially on this latest record but i don't feel consistent of enough of a guitar player to play on all my songs yeah well, your passion, we can tell from this conversation, is in songwriting, mm-hmm. writing, and then yeah. performing those words. And the guitar can sometimes just make it a little too complicated, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been playing for over 20 years now, and I feel like I have these waves of improvement. I don't, I'm not a consistent person where I sit down every day and I practice my scales and whatever, but I'll have moments where I'm playing more and I notice that like my right hand is better. You know, I can get those, those weird strum patterns that I had been working on forever. Um, I can finally get them or a new finger picking pattern or something like Uh that. Do you finger pick a lot? No. No. Okay. No. And, and what do you play? What's your guitar of choice? So through Lisa, I actually got a Taylor um, sponsorship. Okay. Um, and so I have a tailor. Uh, it's completely custom built. Um, it's a, kind of a small body with a cutaway. Um, it's all walnut back and sides um, with a spruce top. Oh, I bet that I, sounds pretty. It is a very pretty guitar. Um, honestly, I've been playing for about 10 years. Um, it's too bright for me. It's always been too bright. I have a bright voice. Uh-huh. So I need with a little bit more low end uh in the guitar so but i i've been on the hunt for a new guitar actually um maybe maybe a martin but something a little more custom because i've gotten very used to this guitar which has a thinner neck and Uh, so if i went back to a thicker neck i think i'd have a hard time yeah Uh, the i think one of the first strats i ever played was actually bonnie Raitt. And it had a real tiny neck to it. And I loved it because I got you know tiny hands. Yeah. And I, I just loved that. But okay, we're off on guitars now. <laughs> so uh the song, I don't want to give you up. Who's it about? What's it about? <laughs> um, it's an interesting song. Um, about let's see, 12, 13 years ago, uh-huh. my best friend broke up with me days before my birthday. Oh no. Um, yeah. And it was honestly the most devastating breakup I've ever had in my entire life. Um, And so, and I was kind of obsessed, like a little bit, like at any point she's going to call me, like she's just going to call me literally to this day. I've never not heard a word from her. Um, I'm I'm in touch with her husband, which is sort of weird, but not her. Um, Anyway, so that idea of just like, I know I should give this person up, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to. Right. Um, that was kind of the overarching thing. You know, the song morphed a little bit, became, became a little bit more about just all the things that we do that maybe are bad for us that we don't want to give up. Yeah. Um, but it's nice. It's a nice song because it has that universality. It could be about a dude um you know it could be about a romantic relationship but it happens to not be um 
So I did want to make sure that while I was writing it, that that it didn't, ju- it wasn't just this story to me. It was yeah. Well, it's got a lot of layers to it. You can hear it different ways. Yeah. 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 Let's give it a listen. Okay. okay. With Marissa Levy, and this song is called "I Don't Want to Give You Up." podcast continues in lewis delaware in a moment ladies you don't need big promises right you need results and simple beauty retinol moisturizer contains only the best ingredients for your skin it doesn't contain unnecessary ingredients that may cause further skin issues specifically formulated the retinol moisturizer helps reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles making your skin appear younger softer smoother A powerful combination of antioxidants, vitamins A, C, B5, and E, fight premature aging by blocking DNA-damaging free radicals and promoting softness and elasticity. It contains natural ingredients like aloe vera, jojoba oil, rose water, and sunflower oil, which are all great at alleviating a variety of skin conditions. Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer. SimpleBeautySkinCare.com. It simply works. We've talked about your music, Marissa. We've talked about your songwriting skills and about your voice, but you've got another thing, and we're not going to talk about cakes. 
<laughs> You've got another thing you're really involved, or cake decorating, I'm sorry, right. The cake decorating thing is a, well, I say I do it for friends and school auctions. Oh, okay, okay. And how many yeah. kids? How many kids? Um, do I have? Yeah. I have two. I have twins. Oh. They, they will turn 10 next week. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. I'll tell you a story off camera about about twins uh later but uh so your your business your real business though is not the cake decorating for schools and birthdays and family uh it's called the listening booth and mm -hmm. tell us what that is and and your involvement with that yeah so this is my baby the listening booth um when i moved down to delaware i thought it's a little bit cheaper to live here maybe i could focus a little bit more on my music a little less on, I was a computer programmer before I, really? um, yeah, um, a little bit less on, you know, my clickety clacketing. And um, I started looking out for places to play and very few people would take original music. Um, you know, they'd say, oh, well, you could play some of your own songs, but you got to play three hours of covers. Can you do that? And, yeah. you know, coming from New York, 35, 45 minute gigs of just all original music they said if don't play covers or we'll kick you off the stage you know it was a very different thing for me I had a really hard time adjusting to that yeah um and I just kind of started thinking about you know this town needs a listening room it needs a place where touring acts can come where local singer songwriters could have an open mic night um, that was just all acoustic and chill and people would actually be listening to their songs. Um, and so we started about a year ago um, and we did it like a pop-up kind of thing where we would use other spaces. Um, we used a movie theater for a couple of months, a really nice like oh, uh -huh. movie theater in town. Um, and then I also own an arts and crafts studio. Um, so we started doing shows in the arts and crafts studio as well. And it worked for about a year. And then it, we just decided that uh, we really needed our own space. So we could set up once and then not strike uh, the entire set and right. sound system and everything each time. It was getting really hard physically hard on my body to do all that stuff sure. so um weirdly enough we found a spot in the um outlet mall um and it's the old customer service center in the outlet mall they don't have a customer service anymore um so we took over that space and it's about 1400 square feet it's not huge but pretty it's good enough size, though 1400 it's, square feet pretty good size yeah well it's half of it is the break room green room area right. and half of it is the front room but uh it seats about 50 to 60 people depending on you know how many people you want to cram in there and um and we've had now three shows in our new space um okay. and it's been really exciting and actually next week dar williams is playing a fundraiser for us at the new That's cool. which will be really exciting and what's your capacity again about 50 oh, 60 yeah, yeah 50 to 60 um yeah. when jill sobiel played there were about 65 people yeah. it was crowded it felt very uh, yeah fun. yeah that's pretty neat though and so you have some national acts that just pop in yeah i mean it's funny um i actually talked to lisa Lib's manager about all this because she opened the bourbon room in la which uh -huh. has been killing it um but they were all producers of um rock of ages the musical oh fun. and so they had this money from rock of ages and they threw it into this new venue i didn't have anything like that um but i i was talking to her how do i get these acts how do i book these acts and she's like you just have to throw money at them and so I kind of did that I pulled a lot of favors you know again like I have these relationships with a lot of musicians yeah. from being in New York from being a singer-songwriter for 15 years um there and I just pulled a lot of favors and I've met a lot of booking agents so we've been able to book some really big acts we have 
Um, Beth Nielsen Chapman is coming up in November. Wow. With Chris Matthews, she's going to come play our venue and then go be the keynote speaker at NERPA. Um, so, and then we just had Christine Lavin play. We had Jill Sobiel. So we've had like some really nice acts coming into town. And then these booking agents know that I'm good for my word. And so then they've yeah. been throwing their other artists at me, which is really cool. That's really cool. Then the artists have a good experience. So they'll tell, you know. Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's not a huge moneymaker for them, but it's a really good um, midpoint between Philly and Baltimore, Philly and Annapolis. Uh-huh. So a lot of artists, if they have a date to fill, will come down to us. Yeah, um, say, hey, spend it's... a day at the beach and and I was play gonna a say show. just come out, you know, hang out, let's go to the beach. Yeah, let's go do a show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do they they but, do 45 minutes? They do an hour, they do uh so we usually have a, a local opener, so somebody who lives here, which that's been really terrific. Uh-huh. Um to to expose some of these people who maybe wouldn't have that kind of um exposure to bigger audiences and to these big headliners. So they usually play for about 35 minutes and then we do an intermission and then the headliner plays like 60 to 75 minutes usually. That's really good. I mean it's mm-hmm. a I mean it's a good bang for your buck as an you know as a as an audience member. Mm-hmm. You get to see mm-hmm. really good talent. You get to see a good show and it's I love the smaller rooms. There's a bunch of them up here in Vermont and the music that comes here just blows me away. I yeah. love that intimacy that one-on-one almost, you know. Uh, when I saw the Rolling Stones in concert geez, 30 years ago, maybe <laughs> they were playing at Kemper Arena at the time in Kansas City. And they had the big stage, right? And then a gangway or a runway that went to a little stage that wasn't any bigger than maybe 30 by 40. Mm-hmm. And they said that gave them that feel because they're right there then in the middle of the audience. It gave them that feel of what they had when they were first starting out being mm-hmm. surrounded by their fans and that one-on-one contact like Mick could look out and have eye contact with somebody or, yeah. you know, and that's so cool to have that as a performer, you've been on both sides of this. So you can relate that, uh, relate to that, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I hope that that is what I'm bringing to the table, at least for these artists. Yeah. Um. You know, I actually, when I first started thinking about this, I, I mentioned it to Dar at a retreat. Mm-hmm. Said, you know, Dara, I'm thinking about opening a music venue. And she looked at me and she went, yeah, that's what you should do. And, okay. and, yeah. and it was very like, that was very affirming. So I, I say, I, I both give her credit and blame for anything that happened. <laughs> um, but she would, you know, she was saying it's like these venues that are owned by musicians, by songwriters, you know, they get it. They, they know, you know, how to treat the artists. They know, um, what the audience is really looking for. And so I'm hoping that that is what I'm bringing to the table with this. Um, and, you know, so far it's been pretty good. We've had our little mess ups and, you know, I'm, I'm basically doing all of it by myself. I'd have a few people who help me on game day, as I like uh-uh. to say. But, you know, the day-to-day operations of the venue are pretty much on me, including all of my various mistakes that I've made um, (laughs) booking people. But um, so far, it's been really awesome. It's so nice to have our own space now. Um, We got a liquor license and we can serve food. There you go. And then, yeah, just, and then the one thing that I love the most about the listening booth is that we run a songwriting circle every Thursday. Oh, how cool. And that has been just kind of a saving grace for a lot of us. You know, it's a therapy session. You go and you say, I wrote this new song. And, and it, you know, this one guy came in, it was his first time. And he said, I wrote this song a couple of days ago. And it was this just devastating song about divorce. And um, and we all kind of, you know, were blown away by the whole thing. We started giving him feedback on the song. And then he, I was, I was in the middle of a sentence about the feedback for the song. And then I looked at him and I was like, is this the first song that you've ever written? And it was a phenomenal song. Is this the first song you've ever written? And he was like, yes. And so I said, I- I'm going to take a step back. And I just like, get <laughs> everything I just said to you, you know? But it's been a really great experience just 
sharing my love of songwriting with other people and yeah. and building a really strong community of songwriters here. When you have your songwriter circle, then is is there an M, are you, are you like the MC or moderator or whatever? Does everybody just kind of y'all just sit down and just get going and get into it? Yeah, I mean, I lead it for yeah. sure. I have a timer, so everyone plays their song, and then I set a timer for fifteen minutes. We give feedback. Um, okay. And and I run it in that respect, but um, I am certainly not the only one giving feedback. Uh, everyone is, you know, it's really a conversation. And That's I cool. would love to get to the point where I don't have to give any feedback at all, you know, and I'm just there holding the timer. Um, yeah. And everyone else feels comfortable enough to really give their opinion and 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 knows the vocabulary to explain to someone what they're thinking like oh i don't like this because you're not going to the dominant chord or mm -hmm. you know this there's something that's rubbing me the wrong way about your rhyming scheme and like we just want to i want to be able to get to the point where everybody feels comfortable enough to do that stuff and yeah. i'm trying to model that kind of behavior that's cool and now you mentioned briefly maybe in a conversation not here uh, something about teaching do you teach also um not exactly so I was okay. an education major in college okay. music education I never taught music I did teach college courses in computer science I thought when we were setting up this there was a conflict because you had to teach or something oh yeah and then I teach at my art studio so oh okay I, okay I do summer camp here okay so that's what because that's what kind of came out there. There's there's a teaching element of you in the listening room in the songwriting circle that you kind of point them in the direction, but you kind of then you kind of back off, right? Yeah, I mean, I think pedagogy has always been in my blood, yeah. but I hated teaching in a very formal setting. I, I like know. it in this kind of more relaxed, more like group leading as opposed to teaching. Uh, so good and ready is the last song of yours we're going to talk about and 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 i'm fascinated by this other stuff that's how it, this podcast can get away from me if i let it yeah. because i i just i'm so enrolled by so much of this we're sharing here today the song good and ready tell us how again where that came from what motivated that what came first the song stands or the the chorus the music the lyrics what so this is an interesting song. It's one of those songs that didn't have a meaning until it was done. What? Um, yeah. I mean, so I was at a songwriting retreat. I was at Star Williams's songwriting retreat, and one of the um, one of the other teachers, Michelle Gedney, um, she said something to me like, "Well, when you're good and ready, you'll do that," and it just kind of stuck with me a little bit. And this was one of those weeks where I was really struggling to finish a song and I was yeah. laboring over this other song that is done, but I, I don't play it. I certainly don't play it out. Um, and I sat down after she said good and ready and wrote the entire song in 15 minutes. <laughs> um, and I, I had sort of like vague pictures in my mind about what it was about, but it wasn't until we moved to Delaware and I was, um, trying to convince my daughter, who I think at the time was six, that she should ride her bike without her training wheels on it. Mm -hmm. And she was really scared. And she kind of schooled me a little and said, I'm not ready. Like, when I'm ready, I'll tell you. And then I had that light bulb moment where I was like, yeah. oh, this is about my daughter. Um, and just about her growing up and, and the things that she's going to experience and the things that I experienced first. Um, and and how I need to be more empathetic about her own experience. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what the song is about. That's really good. Yeah. We're going to give it a listen. This is Marissa Levy, and the song is called Good and Ready. You can go good and ready when you've had enough when the race is through you may not know 
When your tank is empty, when you're good and ready, you can go. When you're good and ready, you can go. Go to sleep, my love. Everything you fear will disappear when you close your eyes. And in the morning sky, you greet another day. And with all I see in you, oh, you know what you'll do. You can go. Gotta do the work to figure out if it's worth your time. And in the August light, you feel so far away. But you'll make it through the day. Oh, I can see you. Good and ready when you've had enough. When the race is through, you may not know. When your tank is empty, when you're good and ready, you can go. When you're good and ready. Cause I've been through it first. You can go when you're good and ready, when you've had enough, when the race is through. You may not know when your tank is empty, when you're good and ready. Good and ready, you can go. When you're good and ready, you can go. Good and ready with Marissa Levy, the Music of America podcast. As we wind down, uh, Marissa, this is the part of the show we call shameless self-promotion. So, where can we buy your merch? Where can we buy your music? Where can we find your music? Where can we? sign up to go to the listening room how does that work etc cetera, etc cetera. tell us everything we can do to help uh keeping your keep your dream alive sounds good um well marissalevy.com is my website um and there's links on there to everything from my social media to my spotify i'm on all of the streaming platforms um and i do have a new record coming out. This is the shameless self-promotion part. I have a new record coming out uh, at the end of September. It's called Marissa Levy is Fine. And um, one of the singles, What Mama Knows, is out on Spotify already. And hopefully we'll have one more single coming out before um, the actual album comes out. And um, I want to give a shout out to Megan Slankard, who is also an incredible songwriter. She's out of San Francisco and she did all the background vocals on my record oh wow incredible she wrote them and she's singing them and she's kind of a bonkers talented musician and um and cliff hillis and richie rubini who produced the record they were awesome too so and then um the listening booth um it's it's listeningbooth.com 
uh, and you can find out about all the shows that we're having. And um, we have a 501c3, so we'll be, um, you know, raising money for the listening booth um, as well at some point. So hopefully there'll be some really fantastic ways that you can um, financially help us if you're not actually in the area. What is a 501c3 for those of us like me who don't know what it's about? <laughs> it's a non a nonprofit. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I discovered early on in the process that um, music venues are not the most profitable business. <laughs> um, so if you change it to a nonprofit, then you can, you know, go out for artist grants and things like that I gotcha. um, yeah. to help keep you afloat. Um, and, you know, this is really my passion I, I would love for it to be a, a job job where it actually, you know, brought in money for, for me to survive on. Yeah. Um, but right now it's really just about keeping it going. So. And that's, again, that's the musicbooth.com. Oh, uh, listening, uh, listening, 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 sorry. Listening booth com. Listening booth com. Mm-hmm. This has been so much fun. Where did the hour go? Right. I know. It's crazy. So, it's crazy. Well, Marissa, <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, and where is where is Lewis in Delaware? Where is it located? Like, what well, is it near? Yeah, so we are in what is affectionately known as the slower, lower part of Delaware. Um, <laughs> there's there's three three counties in Delaware, and we are in the southernmost county, which is Sussex County. Um, Lewis is the next town over from Rehoboth Beach which is where President Biden has his summer home. Spends oh, a lot of time. okay. Um, and, you know, we're uh, maybe an hour north of Ocean City, Maryland. There you go. Um, so, but we're along the eastern um, shore of Delaware. So, so if somebody wants to come down and jam and set up some time at the listening booth, we know where they're going to go now and we know yep. where to find them. Yep. Marissa, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Our our guest again was Marissa Levy from Lewis, Delaware. Up next, we're traveling to Wyoming. Well, Wyoming, Delaware, that is. And we're going to hear music from Jim Rizak. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.